text for this morning's sermon is Matthew 26, verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, warnings come to us in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Often toys or games come with a warning, not suitable for children under three. Road signs contain a whole array of warnings, slow down, sharp bend ahead, or warning, hit and drive. When you take medication, there are always warnings on the packet about maximum doses and possible side effects. We live in a broken world where we need to be alert to dangers, to possible accidents. Otherwise, we may be harmed or suffer an accident or loss. Well, the Bible is also full of warnings. The prophet's main task was to warn God's people to turn away from their sinful ways and to live in obedience to the Lord. If you read through Proverbs, you're faced with a collection of sayings that warn against evil and that promote righteousness. The focus of many warnings is on our spiritual life with God. God is concerned about the well-being of his people And so he warns us against the attack of our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh. Our text this morning also contains a warning. The Lord Jesus Christ spoke this warning to his disciples. They had just eaten the Passover meal together, and Christ had instituted the Lord's Supper. They were now on the way to the Mount of Olives. Christ said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. Jesus quotes from the prophecy of Zechariah to show that when the shepherd was struck, the disciples would be scattered. That very night, they would all forsake him. The disciples did not take Jesus' words to heart, they went into denial. Them forsake their master? No way. Peter said to Jesus, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And all the disciples said the same thing. Yet Jesus' words came to pass. Jesus knew that in the coming night he would be captured by wicked men. He knew that he would be condemned to die on a cross. He knew He would have to bear the wrath of God. And he knew that he would have to undergo that suffering alone, abandoned by his disciples and forsaken by God. Jesus' prophecy was a warning to his disciples. It was to prepare them for the coming days. And at the same time, it was meant to comfort and to encourage them. 
For Jesus not only spoke about their betrayal and about how they would be scattered. He also spoke about how after his death he would be raised again. Jesus indicates he would gather them together again. Even though they would fall away, he would go before them to Galilee. And so we see how Jesus shows forth love and mercy to his disciples. Although Christ faced the greatest suffering of his time on earth, he was concerned about his disciples rather than himself. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. As the good shepherd, Christ prophesies about how the disciples would soon forsake him. He prophesied that when the shepherd is struck, the sheep would be scattered. And when the shepherd is raised, the sheep would be gathered. Many Bibles print the wrong heading above our text. They title it, Jesus Predicts Peter's Denial. But this passage is not really about Peter. It's a prophecy about what would happen to all the disciples. Literally, our text can be translated, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. As spokesman, Peter protested against this. He professed his willingness to suffer and die next to his Lord. All the disciples said the same thing. Yet Matthew 26, 56 tells us that later that night, all the disciples left him and fled. The focus of our text is also not on the disciples It is on our Lord Jesus Christ. He had to be forsaken. It was part of the suffering he had to undergo. It's part of the punishment that Christ had to bear in order to pay for our sins. Our Lord knew this. He knew of what the scriptures said. Christ knew the words of Isaiah 53. He knew he had to be despised and rejected by men. He knew that we would, as it were, hide our faces from him. Christ was aware of the fact that he had to die a solitary death, that he would be alone, abandoned by men and forsaken by God. Because Christ knew what was coming, he warned his disciples. He said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. The word Christ used to describe their falling away is translated in a variety of different ways. It can be translated to offend, to stumble, to be untrue, to be brought down, to fall away, even to lose faith. In our text, the point is not that disciples would completely lose their faith in Christ or that they would fall away altogether from him. Instead, the point is that This night, they would all be untrue to him. That very night, the disciples would stumble. Instead of standing with Jesus, they would be untrue to him. To be untrue is the opposite of believing, of delighting in Jesus. It implies a desire to be disassociated from him. Because too close an association invites the treatment that he would receive. 
Christ knew what lay ahead. And so he warned his disciples about how they would forsake him. He quotes from the prophecy of Zechariah to make clear what was going to happen. Zechariah prophesied the words of the Lord. The Lord of hosts said, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. It's important to note that it is the Lord of hosts who commissions the sword. He does not call for the rod to gently chasten, but for the sword to destroy. It's easy for us to think that it was the Jewish leaders who planned Jesus' death and the Roman soldiers who crucified him. Let's take note that the Lord of hosts, our almighty God, is actually the one directing events. The Lord calls the sword to arise against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me. The image of shepherd is often used in the Old Testament to refer to Israel's leaders. Their task was to guide God's people in his ways as the shepherd leads his flock beside quiet waters. At times, the Bible uses the image of a shepherd to point not just generally to any leader, but specifically to the Messiah. For example, in Ezekiel 34, the Lord states, I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. Through Zechariah, the Lord emphasizes that the sword will not be brought against just anyone, but against his shepherd and his companion. The sword will be raised up against the Messiah. By quoting Zechariah's prophecy, Christ makes it very clear that these words apply to him. Christ is the one who would be smitten by God and afflicted. He would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Thus, through Zechariah's prophecy, Christ demonstrates how he would have to suffer for our sins. Now, beloved, part of that suffering was that Christ had to go it alone. It's the point he wanted to get across to his disciples. Christ wanted to prepare him for that coming night. He warned them that when he, the shepherd, was struck, they, the sheep, would be scattered. The sheep mentioned in Zechariah's prophecy were the disciples. They, Christ's dearest friends, would forsake him and leave him alone in the time of his greatest distress and danger. Christ warned them they were about to sin grievously. Earlier in his ministry, Christ had said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The disciples had submitted to those terms. They told Jesus that they had left all and followed him. 
Yet on the night of Christ's betrayal, they did not stand with him. The disciples brush off Christ's warning. Peter said that even if all the others fell away, he would never fall away. The disciples all stated that even if they had to die with Jesus, they would never deny him. In deserting the Lord, the disciples broke their word. They went against the promise they gave only hours earlier. All this caused our Lord great anguish. In John 18, verse 19, we read that the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples. Imagine our Lord being questioned about how many disciples he had and where they were and why they had forsaken him. The devil knew exactly how to attack our Lord, to strike him where it hurt. Luke twenty two sixty one tells us about Christ's response to Peter's third denial. It says the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Christ was forsaken by his dearest friends. Part of his anguish was he had to walk the pathway of suffering alone. We wonder. How is it possible for the disciples to forsake their Lord and Master? How could they do that after being explicitly warned about it only hours beforehand? To answer those questions, beloved, is not that difficult. Jesus revealed part of the problem to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. He admonished them for sleeping while he prayed. He said, The Spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. One reason why the disciples stumbled and forsook Christ is because of the weakness of their sinful flesh. Luke indicates the second reason for the disciples' fall. Jesus asked the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders, why they didn't seize him while he was with them daily in the temple. And in Luke twenty-two fifty-three, Christ provides the answer. He said, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Jesus was arrested in the middle of the night under the cover of darkness. For the Jewish leaders knew that arresting him during the day would cause problems with the people. They operated under darkness because their actions were sinful. We need to understand, beloved, that Satan was leading and directing the actions of the Jewish leaders. He provoked their envy and jealousy of Jesus. He was also at work among Jesus' disciples. In Luke twenty-two thirty-one, Jesus tells us that Satan had demanded to have Peter to sift him as wheat. The point, beloved, is this. God withdrew his grace from both Jesus and his disciples. This was Satan's hour. The disciples fell because for a time the Lord withheld his encouraging, his strengthening influence on them. Our text teaches us about how much we need God's grace and spirit. We should not be proud, thinking we can stand in our own strength. 
Let's heed the Bible's warnings. In 1 Peter 5, Peter warns us, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. In John 15, Jesus warns us of the hatred of this world. He reminds us that a servant is not greater than his master. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. In Romans 7, Paul confesses that even as a redeemed child of God, he still has to struggle against his sinful nature. He says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Yes, beloved, the scriptures provide us with clear warnings. They warn us that our sworn enemies, the devil, this world, and our own sinful flesh, will not cease to attack us. Let us not sit in judgment on the lamentable fall of the disciples on the night when Christ was betrayed. We're no better than them. Instead, let's heed The words Paul spoke in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. He said, therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. We all need God's grace and spirit to stand fast in our faith. In our first point, we've seen how Christ prophesied that when the shepherd is struck, the sheep would be scattered In our second point, we'll see how we'll see Christ's prophecy that when the shepherd is raised, the sheep would be gathered. It's important for us to remember why Christ spoke the warning of our text to his disciples. He knew that they would fall. He wanted to prepare them for it. But even more important, our Lord wanted to provide his disciples with comfort in the midst of their despair. The events that happened on Good Friday filled the hearts of the disciples with despair. After the disciples forsook Jesus, he was taken away to Caiaphas, the high priest. Peter followed at a distance and entered the high priest's courtyard to see the outcome of his trial. Matthew tells us about how Peter denied his Lord three times. When the rooster crowed, Peter remembered the words of Jesus Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. When Jesus looked at him, Peter realized how much hurt he had caused his Savior. Jesus' suffering and death caused his disciples much confusion. They thought that he was going to redeem Israel. They still did not understand why Christ needed to die. With Jesus' capture and subsequent death, their hopes concerning the kingdom of God were dashed. The disciples were scattered, every man to his own house, to his own business. They wandered about like lost puppies, not understanding what had happened. Yet Jesus had provided them with comfort in the midst of their sorrow. After warning them about how they would forsake him, Jesus spoke words of grace to them. He said, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. 
Christ indicated that when the shepherd was raised, he would gather them together again. As a shepherd gathers the scattered lambs, so Christ would again seek out his disciples and bring them together in Galilee. It was Christ who preserved his disciples. John 18 tells us about Christ's care for his disciples in the time of his betrayal and arrest. Troops and officers came to him in the Garden of Gethsemane carrying lanterns, torches, and weapons. Christ said to them, If you seek me, let these men go. It was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Even though the sheep would be scattered, the good shepherd ensured that they were not killed. Christ spoke the words of our text to comfort his disciples in their time of confusion and despair. He would rise again. He would gather them together again. Even though the disciples had forsaken Jesus, Christ would not forsake them. Even though they had left him alone in the time of his greatest distress, Christ would not leave them alone in the midst of their despair. After his resurrection, Christ met with his disciples. He forgave them their sins. He restored them to their position as his disciples. Beloved, our text gives us immeasurable comfort. It teaches us about the good shepherd's love and care for his flock. Indeed, there are times when we fall into the temptations of the devil. The world often has too much influence on our lives. Like Paul, we often do the very things we hate because of the sinfulness of our flesh. Yet Jesus Christ is our ascended King. He's seated on the throne at God's right hand. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to him. Just as Christ preserved his disciples, so he will also preserve us. The Bible clearly testifies to this fact. In 2 Timothy 2, Paul speaks about how Hymenaeus and Philetus strayed concerning the truth and how they destroyed the faith of some. Then Paul says, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Every person given to Christ by the Father shall be brought by him to the Father. Not one will be missing. It's as Christ said in John 10, 27 and 28, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. It's true that we as believers may at times backslide. At times we may even fall into lamentable sins. Like Noah did in getting drunk. Or Abraham did when he lied about Sarah being his wife. 
or David did in committing adultery with Bathsheba and murdering Uriah, or Peter did in denying his Lord. The effects of such serious sins can be severe. By them, we greatly offend God. We incur guilt. We grieve the Spirit. We wound our consciences. We could even lose a sense of God's favor for a time. Yet God will not permit his elect to be lost. Kanzadort speaks about that in chapter 5, article 6. Says that God, who is rich in mercy, according to the unchangeable purpose of his election, does not completely withdraw his Holy Spirit from his own, even in their deplorable fall. And neither does he permit them to sink so deep that they fall away from the grace of adoption or the state of justification, or commit the sin unto death, or the sin against the Holy Spirit, and totally deserted by him, plunge themselves into eternal ruin. This, beloved, gives us great comfort, especially when we struggle in our faith. We may know that our salvation does not depend on us or on our works. It depends on God's grace and on the merit of Jesus Christ. There may be times of struggle and temptation when it feels like God is so far removed from us. Yet God has given us this wonderful promise. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Beloved, if you're faced with doubts, if you're confronted with struggles and hardships in your faith, you need not despair. Even when his disciples forsook him, Christ did not forsake them. Even though we at times may be unfaithful, God always remains faithful. The Lord does not let go of his children. By his word and spirit, he preserves his own. That's why, together with the Apostle Paul, we confess that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. With Paul, we confess, for I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.